0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you that today's question is, can you tell me more about Jesus? And Lord, we give you thanks that as we've ministered to you, that you're going to deposit out of your word into our life that Jesus may be glorified so much more in us. And we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, can you tell me more about Jesus? Praise God. Where do you start? We can go to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, we can just keep going on. We find Jesus in every book. But who's Jesus in your life? What have you followed him or how have you followed him to allow you to come to know him so much more? I shared in the previous service that when I was a a young lad and my brother John came home from a Pentecostal meeting and there was a big change in him, he had gotten saved. I remember for the whole week that he was staying up, praying in tongues, reading his Bible the biggest change that I noticed was that I wasn't getting bashed up anymore. And he would say that I deserved it. And I did. <laughs> I was the um, smallest of three boys and Madonna, my sister's there as well. But I was the smallest of three boys and uh, I couldn't outmuscle them. So I had to work out other ways to get them. And, uh, and you know, for over a decade, they never got it. And, but anyway, praise the Lord. If you would go with me to Matthew, the ninth chapter, we have the story here of an event that occurred to two blind men. Jesus had just left Capernaum or Capernaum or however else you pronounce it in the English. English is my second language because I can't do very well with it as my first language. (laughs) So, but anyway, Praise the Lord. And so there had been marvellous outpouring of the word and power in Capernaum. Levi had just been called, or Matthew had just been called as a tax collector. We see that there was the story of the, the woman that had the issue of blood. She was hemorrhaging for 10 years or more, and it was nothing better, but rather grew worse, in that when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind for she said within herself, If I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I shall be made whole. And we know the story. See, that can be your story today. I remember that I used to think if I could just have been alive when Jesus was alive, it would be so much better now. You know, I would have followed him, seen his power, I would have been a faithful disciple you know you ever thought like that <laughs> well maybe i'm just weird but anyway but god chose for me to be born in this time at a time where the bible says more about the events that are about to occur than any other time in history we look from malachi to matthew and they're often referred to as the silent years but if you were to turn to the book of daniel you'll find that the Lord had spoken through the angel Gabriel and given Daniel the exact date that the Messiah would be born and the exact date that the Messiah would die, not for himself but for the sins of the people. You see that the Lord spoke to Daniel and told him about the world empires that would rise up, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Grecian empire, that he spoke to him concerning them and how Israel would affect them during the course of the period of time that we refer to as the silent years in Scripture. And so they're not silent. But I've just said that we're about to plunge into a time where the Bible speaks more about this period of time than any other time in history. If you were to go and search the Scriptures and and there are good places to go to do it, and you would find that the first coming of Jesus Christ, there's some 300 verses of scripture that speak concerning his first coming. Scriptures that tell us that his hands and feet would be pierced, that a spear would be thrust on his side, that they would gamble for his clothing, that he would be, have a crown of thorns driven into his head, that he would be, be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, that he would ride a, a donkey into Jerusalem, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be of the seed of David. You see, so much more of that is in the scripture concerning his first coming. But if you were to say, well, how much is in the Bible about his second coming? Because he's coming again. In fact, when he spoke to the disciples in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 1, And they said, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, well, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons that the Father has placed in his own hands. He didn't tell them it wouldn't happen. He told them it wasn't for yet. And when we think about, well, how much is written about Jesus' second coming? We hear things about the glorious rapture of the church. We hear about the great tribulation. We hear about the antichrist and the beast and the false prophet. We hear things such as that. And we wonder, when will those events occur? Is it only mentioned in the book of Revelation? It's not. In fact, there's some 1,800 verses of scripture in your Bible that you carry with you either on your phone or in your hand or both concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is more in your Bible about Jesus' second coming than his first coming. So that tells me that it's pretty important to God one of the reasons it's so important to the Lord is because that when he comes his second time and, he be seen, and he'll be seen by every eye that the door of salvation closes. And so he gave the church a commission. We call it the Great Commission recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We see Mark that it's recorded as a rebuke Because of their unbelief. We see in Matthew he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. We see in the beginning of the book of Acts that they're so desperate to see Israel restored to the glory that's promised in the scriptures by the prophets and he said it's not for yet. Because there were nations yet to hear of the salvation that is being offered to them by the God of heaven and earth. All the other nations were serving false gods. They were worshipping them. You see that today in the religions of the world, worshipping demons, false gods. And God gave a commission to the body of Christ to continue his work down through the ages until the time of the Gentiles is full. And at that period of time, when the Gentiles or the bringing in of the Gentile nations is complete, then the clock again will turn to the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. Praise God. You think, how can I learn all this? I'll tell you what you've got to do. You've got to get a relationship with God through the word. Hallelujah. You can begin the most wonderful journey of your life I've been to over 20 countries in the world. You know, been up to mountains, not very high, you know, only about 8,000 mi- 8, miles, um, 8,000 metres in height. I've been several places in Europe and Asia, America, you know, quite a few places. But nothing can compare to when you sit down with your Bible. And you open up the scriptures. And you begin to learn about the one who died and rose again for you. Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Hallelujah. And so we have this story here of two blind men that were outside of Capernaum. And Jesus, as he was walking along the road... They were shouting out to him, hey, David, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came into the house, it says the blind men came to him. They followed him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? You know, when you go to somebody who's in need in prayer, I'll give you a couple of examples. I remember um, many years ago when I had a motorcycle accident. And I was messed up pretty bad. I had um, split sternum, broken ribs, collapsed lung, uh, broken ribs at the back, fractured spine. Um, This was crushed, dislocated. I had a finger that had to be sewn back on. Um, My foot was the shape of a V. I lost about eight teeth in my mouth. Um, I was spitting out bone for a week. Uh, I had brain damage as well they told Julie that they did not expect me to recover. Uh, They did not, sorry, they didn't expect me to survive surgery. But praise God, I had a praying church and I had a believing church with me, hallelujah, praise God. I was out of it, I didn't know what was going on. Um, I had said to the Lord when I had the accident and I woke up from it and I said to the Lord, I, I checked myself and I knew that I was dying. And I said, Lord, I want to live. And I prayed. And I asked him to keep me alive until the ambulance could get to me. And so eventually the ambulance found me and they took me to hospital. Julie and and my twin brother Andrew, I had the ambulance contact Andrew, my twin brother, because Julie was four months pregnant with Josiah at the time, wherever he is and I didn't want her to have the shock of being told this. And, you know, we underestimate our wives and wives, you underestimate your husbands at times. And uh, one of the best songs that the Lord, or Julie's ever received from the Lord, was written um, at that time when I had a motorbike accident. But anyway, I put Julie's hand and Andrew's hand And I said, you know, you look after Julie, make sure she's okay, look after the kids, you know, all this sort of thing. And uh, an ambulance officer came that night and who um, was a Christian and he said to me many times, he said, nobody knows how badly injured you were. He said, you should not be here. But praise God, I had a believing church I had a praying church, hallelujah, that were with me, that were with my family. And so I survived the surgery. They had a prayer chain going, I believe, and just praying for the Lord to keep me alive and get me through. They had said that I would spend four weeks in hospital, at least, because of the injuries. Um, But you see, on the Monday night, and let me tell you this. You see, what I started off reading was this with the two blind men. Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And so when you come to somebody who's in great need, or even just a need that they want you to come and pray with them in or believe with them with, find out what they can believe God for. All right? And if they're believing God is to just recover well, then believe God with them. Let them have a victory in that. You understand? Instead of, you know, coming in and trying to blast it with where you want to believe God for, find out what they want to believe. Because at that time, I just wanted to live. And the church joined and family joined with me and with Julie for me to live and not die. Hallelujah. That's important. Praise God. And so, on the Monday night, that's one the, just over 24 hours after the accident, this demon came in ICU, because I was in the ICU area of the hospital. And I remember it was about midnight, don't ask me how I know, I just know. And this demon would jump from the wall onto my chest. And every time it jumped on my chest, I felt my spirit begin to leave my body. And I don't know if I said it or if I thought it, but all I knew was Jesus. All I said was Jesus, hallelujah. And I don't even actually think I said it because I was so drugged up. And every time I said the name of Jesus, this spirit would leap off me and back up on the wall. And this went on until sunrise the next morning. Every time it got on my chest, I felt my spirit begin to leave my body. But you know what? The church said he doesn't want to die. And you know what? It was so easy to actually not breathe. There was no stress. Because I knew where I was going. I was going to glory. (laughs) Hallelujah. I was going home. Praise God. And when a person gets close to death, it can be hard or difficult to hold them here on the earth when they're a believer. Because when they see the other side, you want to go there. You might think this is a bit funny, but there are times when Julie checks me to make sure that I'm still alive. She just wakes me up in the middle of the night. You all right? You still here? Yeah, I'm here. Praise God. Because I want to go home, but not yet. But my heart's desire is to be out of this physical body and in the presence of the living God. Once you've seen the other side, and once you've been into glory, you'll know that there is no sense of sin there. There is no condemnation there. Everybody is wearing a garment of salvation. Hallelujah. They're rejoicing in the power and the liberty that they have in Christ. Glory be to Jesus. And so this demon, after six odd hours, it stopped. Just left. Well, praise the Lord. I was out of hospital and and then it changed after that. Where I only wanted to miss one Sunday at church. So I'd gone from believing God to actually live to believing God to only miss one Sunday at church. And so on the Saturday, which very rare, the doctor came in and he looked at me and he said, you can go home. And my sister-in-law was visiting me at the time and I didn't even wait for Julie. I just said, let's get out of here. And then the next morning with me all plastered up with my sternum still split, you know, terrible aches and pains, leg in plaster, pinned and all that sort of thing, finger sewn back on, and I sat down at church, apologised for sitting, and I preached a great message on healing, hallelujah, praise God, bless the Lord, hallelujah. But you see, when it comes to things in your life, you're going to make a decision that you're going to stand firm and not change that either God's word is true, or he's a liar. Hallelujah. And you know, there's an accuser of the brethren that tries to convince the people of God that God is constantly lying when he says that he wants to heal you, he wants to save you, he wants to deliver you, he wants to fill you afresh with the Holy Ghost. He's constantly waging war in the minds of the believer, telling them that what God says is not so. And I'm here to tell you today that every word of God, every word of God is true. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It is true. It is true from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. He said that he's coming back and he's coming. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's coming back for you and he's coming back for me. Bless the Lord. He said that if it wasn't so, He said, then I wouldn't have told you. He said, but in my father's house, there's many mansions. He said, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He said, I'm going there to get a mansion ready for you. You say, oh, I don't really believe that. Doesn't matter whether you believe it. God said it. It belongs to you. Well, I just want to be humble and have a little corner of heaven. You can't have a little corner of heaven because let me show you a scripture. Good Lord. You can't get into a little corner of heaven because God's too big. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. His intent for you is far too great. Can you say amen? amen? His love for you is boundless. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians. Have a look at this. Look at this. You know, sometimes... A lot actually. When I'm reading my Bible, I've got to put it down. And you know, at times it takes more faith to believe what God has to say about you and His Word than what you're willing to believe about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, I've made too many mistakes. God's done with me. You know. He's not. (laughs) Things may have been delayed, things may have changed, but He's not done with you. He's not done with you. There is too much in the scripture, there is too much in Jesus' ministry that shows that the Father is compassionate, that He's full of mercy, that His tender mercies are over all His works, that He has an unfailing love for His children that he has separated us from the world and adopted us into his family so that we would not be judged with the world. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He has given us the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? God gave us his righteousness. He took away our sinfulness. He created me anew. He created you anew. He put on you that garment of salvation. Somebody needs to hear this because it's what the third time I said this, or fourth time. He put on you the garment of salvation. <laughs> the garment, it's a garment. <laughs> he put on you the garment of salvation. Hallelujah! 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 But what about the robe of righteousness? What about the robe of righteousness? Hallelujah. That belongs to you. Wear it. Hallelujah. Wear it with the love that it was given to you. Wear it with the adoration that he took when he had the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. Just wear it with the love that God did for you. Hallelujah. 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 Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Start believing the word of life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, believe it. Choose to believe it. Sometimes when I'm reading my Bible, and I've got to put it down. You really said that? Oh, Father. And I lift my hands and begin to praise and worship him. Because who can compare in my life and your life, what the Father has done, what the Son has done, what the Spirit has done. He redeemed me, He bought me. Hallelujah. He freed me from sin. Do you notice? But Jesus never lowered his standard of holiness. If I can say it that way, I hope you understand what I mean. But yet the sinners came to him. Some people want to stay in their sin. But there are so many people that want to be free of it. And they'd look in all the wrong places. That's why Jesus said to pray to the Lord of the harvest. That he would send forth labourers into the harvest. He said, no man comes unto the Father except the Father draws them. Hallelujah. Look at this great love that he has for us. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, I said too, I think, that in Ephesians 1, um, And he starts this, excuse me, he said, Wherefore, I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 15, now 16, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, do you see what the Lord is saying there through the Apostle Paul? He wants your eyes enlightened. I think it's going in. There you go. He wants your eyes enlightened. What does he want them enlightened to? The latest uh, craze? No, he's talking about eternal things. Things that are eternal. Hallelujah. He said your eyes enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You see, there's something worth digging for in the Word of God. He wants you to know something, but you have to put yourself in a place where he can begin to reveal it to you. Do you understand? You may say, well, Lord, you know, or you might say, well, I want to go to the the snow. Plan... Excuse me, I plan to go next year to the snow. I want to go down the snow. I'm going to get to the snow. And you might say that all year. But if you never give yourself not only to say, I want to do it, but you take steps so that you can get to the snow, you're never going to get there. And you may come here and go, Oh, I just want to know, I want to know. Don't let that desire, because that's a godly desire, don't let that desire stay here. Take it home with you. And don't let it die by doing other things that are not important. But let it develop within you richly by giving yourself to the word and prayer. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Give yourself to it. Give yourself to it. And this is what he goes on to say even further. He said that we might know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. Well, that's just awesome. His power toward us. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly place, far above all principality, power, might and dominion, Every name that is named, not only in this earth or this age, but also in the age to come, and has put all things under his feet and made him to be head over all things. Say it all things. things. For the church, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we can stop reading there and we can just spend there on the believer's authority. Oh, I suppose. Hallelujah. We can spend all our time there on the believer's authority. But if you stop stopped reading there, and it is right to teach the believer's authority. I'm not saying that, but that's not, the, 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 um, that's not what we're after today. It's not what we're fishing for. But if you were to continue to read on to this, and my time is almost up, so let's skip a little bit. And he says this in verse 4 in chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love by which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved, and has raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that he's raised us up together? Aren't you glad he's made us sit together in the heavenly place in Christ? Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But what was the intent? It wasn't just the believer's authority. This is the intent in the age to come when he has recreated the earth or burnt the earth with fire and then recreated it with his word. When he has uh, fulfilled all prophecy, when all the scriptures have been fulfilled in that age to come, the Bible calls it, The age of ages. It is the time when the Father has brought the heavenly Jerusalem from heaven itself to earth. Glory be to God. He's talking about that age to come. You and I are going to be with him in that age to come. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Get a long perspective on your Christianity. Stop living it from day to day. Live it from glory to glory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Live it from glory to glory. Glory, glory, glory. Because you know what? In hundreds of years' time, in thousands of years' time, it will be as it's sung in amazing grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise. Glory be to God. That day's coming for each and every one of us. Hold fast until that day. See that no man steals your crown. Hallelujah. Live holy for him. Shun the world. Live holy for Jesus. He died for you. Glory be to God. But look what he says here. He has raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus so that in the age to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. Hallelujah. And so he has raised you up He has caused you to be seated in the heavenly place. He has adopted you into his family. He has washed you in the blood of Christ. He has caused you to wear the garment of righteousness. He has caused you to put on that garment of salvation. He wants you to have the fruit of your lips giving glory to him. But in the age to come, hallelujah, he is going to demonstrate how much more can he do I don't fear death because heaven is my home. How much more can he do? He freed me from the shackles of unrighteousness. That when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. It's him. How much more can he do? He gave us his word that is a sword of the Spirit. How much more can He do that when you drop to your knees, when you speak to the mountain, that His word is a two edged sword in the spirit realm, the mightiest weapon that can be held in the hand of a warrior at that time? How much more can He do that He allows us to worship Him? How much more can He do? that he has gone ahead to prepare a place for us, how much more can he do? When you start to stack up what he has already done, what he has done for us in Christ Jesus, you have to push your Bible back and say, I choose to believe it and I worship you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. You are so great. (laughs) Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for your mercy that you've shown to me day to day. Lord, I worship you. I praise you, Father. Oh, how much more. But yet in the ages to come, man, he sat me together with Christ. He reminds me that I'm saved. And he said, that he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace. How much more? It's one of the few glimpses in the scripture that tells us what shall occur during the age of ages. One of the few scriptures in the whole of the Bible. That he is going to show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at if you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at ram.org.au.